Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, Egypt has resumed direct commercial flights to Sudan after months-long hiatus. Last month was the hottest August on record globally, and Chinese Premier Li Qiang calls for a path towards peace and development at the ASEAN Plus Three summit. Starting in Africa. Egypt has resumed direct commercial flights to Sudan. The first aircraft from Egypt Air landed in Port Sudan from Cairo on Tuesday. Port Sudan, an eastern city on the Red Sea, has been spared by the conflict that broke out in April. Anastasia Wawiru has the details. Sudan reopened its airspace in the east of the country in mid-August. This was to present alternative navigation for air traffic. Clashes between Sudan's army and paramilitary rapid support forces led to the closure of the nation's airspace in April. Humanitarian aid and evacuation flights had been the exception until now. Egypt Air will become the first international company to operate regular flights with Sudan. The flights will continue in the coming period in light of the directives of the political leadership headed by President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, who always gives directives to activate the historical ties between Egypt and Sudan. The first flight departing from Cairo to Port Sudan had over 100 passengers on board. Authorities say Egypt's national carrier Egypt Air will now operate a weekly round trip to and from Port Sudan. Some companies applied for permission to Port Sudan Airport to land and take off from Port Sudan Airport, including Egyptian Airlines, which submitted to the Civil Aviation Authority summer schedules according to the global system that ends on October 31st and winter schedules after November 1st until March 2024. Air transport movement, as long as there is movement of people back and forth, is linked to the expansion of services, and this means new job opportunities for those working in the field of tourism, hotels, food services, coffee and tea, all of which will certainly increase and thus more job opportunities. The resumption of flights comes after Sudan's army chief, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, met with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. Their talks in the Egyptian city of El Alamein marked the first trip abroad for Burhan since conflict erupted in Sudan's capital, Khartoum. That was Anastasia Wabiru on the resumption of flights between Egypt and Sudan. African leaders say they are ready to take action to curb climate change but will need some help. They wrapped up the continent's first climate summit with the Nairobi Declaration calling for climate justice and new models of financing. Daniel Arapmoy has more. The Nairobi Declaration highlights major challenges and opportunities for a more equitable climate regime. It provides African countries with a platform to make a strong case for support at the forthcoming COP28 meeting to be held in the United Arab Emirates. At the summit, we've clearly heard from Africa that its priority is to pursue 
an accelerated transition. It's just an equitable transition to a renewable energy climate resilient future. We convey a clear and resounding message to African nations, the African Union and their linked institutions. The voices of African women should never be an afterthought. The declaration states that increased support to Africa should be based on the continent's priorities like adaptation and financing. It highlights the need for a clear financial architecture for climate change with fair governance and simplified access procedures. It further stresses the need for African countries to take hard decisions and make uncomfortable changes to set international consensus on an Afrocentric and globally inclusive path into an African future. The leaders unanimously agreed that their efforts to achieve prosperity will not succeed if there are no opportunities for the youth. The Nairobi Declaration is intended to define a common position among the 54 African countries that are involved in the climate change negotiations. That was Daniel Arapmoy reporting. Now turning to Europe, the UK's largest local authority has announced it's effectively bankrupt. Birmingham City Council in the UK has an £87 million hole in its budget that means a freeze on new spending and potential cuts for vital services. It's part of a bigger trend with other English local authorities also running out of money. Paul Hawkins has the latest. People here are anxious. Their city council has run out of money. It's $109 million short in its budget, and here's why. The council has paid over a billion dollars in the past 10 years, correcting inequality in staff pay, and on top of that, it's got $815 million left to settle. In addition to that, it's going to spend over $100 million correcting an IT system that was supposed to cost just 23. The result? It's going to have to freeze new spending and instead concentrate on the services it has to legally provide, such as libraries. How would you feel about that if, if the... If the library was open less, for example? Um, I think it's a great resource. I know a lot of students use it to revise, so I think that will be a huge, that will have a huge impact on everyone in Birmingham. The library is really important. It's part, you know, it's part and parcel of Birmingham. Central Library has been here forever, back when it used to be near Hooters years ago to the new building. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's part and parcel of Birmingham City Centre. It's provided by Birmingham City Council, which recently announced it's run out of money. Yeah, would yeah, that, yeah. Would, did that did that make you think about oh, things like the library and what it provides? Um, nothing has changed yet, so I think... No, no, not yeah. yet, but not yet, possibly so. in the future. Possibly. I mean, how would you feel about that? Well, I can't blame them because they don't have money. They can't do anything about that, but well, we'll see what's going, what's going to happen, you know. The UK's main opposition party, Labour, runs the council. For anybody who's suffering across the, across the city, you know, anything that impacts them that the council has done wrong, we'll hold up our hands and we will say sorry for. But that hasn't stopped the council's one million residents, or Brummies as they're affectionately known, worrying about where the axe may fall. Nobody really knows how this is going to affect the daily lives of residents. Services, the most vulnerable, where the roads are bins are going to be collected, if council tax is going to go up. And the most vulnerable people in the city will be disproportionately affected, so the elderly, children with special education needs. Critics of the UK's Conservative government blame the 40% reduction in grants for local councils over the past 10 years. It's left councils trying to raise revenue locally to plug the gap, either by raising taxes, cutting spending or investing in things like solar farms and property. Investments that have already bankrupted other councils and more are set to follow. 
This is a growing problem for the UK government because it's about the things that directly affect our lives. Refuse collections, libraries, leisure centres and social care. As we start the run-up to next year's likely general election, it's another growing headache for Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. That was Paul Hawkins reporting from Birmingham. Still in Europe, last month was the hottest August on record globally. The European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Panel says it's the third straight month that temperatures have set such records. August is estimated to have been one and a half degrees Celsius hotter than the pre-industrial average. Many parts of the world have suffered extreme weather, with places including Brazil and Italy being pounded by torrential rain and floods, while others such as Canada and Spain fried in wildfires. Meteorologists say it's time to stop treating climate change and pollution separately. Owen Fairclough has more. From heatwave upon heatwave to floods and wildfires, it's been a turbulent and unprecedented summer in large parts of the world. Earth just had its hottest three-month period on record. Global sea surface temperatures are unprecedented. Antarctic sea ice is unprecedentedly low for this time of year. That's according to the latest data from the European Union, which found temperatures in June, July and August were nearly 17 degrees Celsius or 62 degrees Fahrenheit above average. But it's also been wet with record rainfall in parts of Australia, Brazil, Chile and the US and drier than usual, leading to wildfires, including a record number across Canada, whose effects were felt as far away as Europe. It's all created a potent atmospheric cocktail contributing to climate change. And given the correlation between pollution and climate change, some scientists say it's time for authorities to think differently. Air quality and climate change should be studied not a separate subject, but should be studied together. They are inseparable in the sense that many of the gases that are responsible for climate change are also um, emitted by the same sources that cause air pollution. The United Nations is calling on countries to use forthcoming multilateral forums like the G20 to accelerate efforts to stop irreversible climate change. That was Owen Faircloth reporting. Moving on to Asia, Chinese Premier Li Cheng has called for stronger cooperation between Southeast Asian nations and their East Asian partners. He was addressing the ASEAN Plus 3 summit in the Indonesian capital, which involved leaders of ASEAN nations as well as China, Japan and South Korea. Li says all parties should act in the overall interests of peace and development in Asia and further promote regional economic integration. Gao Yiming has more. Chinese Premier Li Qiang says Beijing stands ready to work with all parties of the ASEAN Plus 3 framework to place development prominently on the regional cooperation agenda and jointly build an economic growth center. This comes as global development faces great challenges during a period of turbulence and change. Li also says the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, as well as China, Japan and South Korea, should continue to promote regional economic integration and unleash the dividends of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. The ASEAN Plus 3 nations are all members of RCEP, the pact entered into force last year and covers about 30% of the world's GDP, trade and population. The Chinese premier says the parties of ASEAN Plus 3 should continue to deepen regional industrial division and coordination and strengthen the leading role of scientific and technological innovation. 
Li Qiang says China is ready to deepen innovative cooperation with other parties in their digital economy, clean energy, and new energy vehicles to jointly promote the development of emerging industries. He also says China is hopeful to achieve its annual growth target of 5% set for this year, and the country's economic development will bring about greater opportunities for regional and global nations. In Jakarta, the Chinese premier clarified China's position on the issue of Japan's discharge of nuclear-contaminated water. He says the issue concerns the global marine ecological environment and people's health. Li Qiang has called on Japan to faithfully fulfill its international obligations, fully consult with its neighbors and related stakeholders, and handle the discharge in a responsible manner. That was Gao Yiming reporting. Preparations are underway in India's capital, New Delhi, for the G20 summit this week. India's capital, New Delhi, is getting ready to receive high-profile guests at the end of this week. The leaders of G20 nations will start arriving in the city by Friday. Ravinder Bawa took stock of the preparations being done to welcome the guests. As international delegations arrive in Delhi, it's India's moment to showcase her historical and cultural heritage. The city has undergone transformation with last-moment touch-ups to host the world leaders for the G20 summit this week. Workers are sprucing up roads with more than 100,000 flower pots to give the city a fresh look. We are doing preparation from last uh, one year. It's an opportunity for any civic agency to enhance uh, their uh, basic infrastructures and the beautification. Uh, we have a very good horticulture department, so they are working day and night. As a part of Decoration Drive, 24 new fountains have been installed. Special arrangements have been made for continuous water supply to these fountains. The theme of uh, Indian ethos and culture, and if you see local landmark, uh, the Rajasthani artists have made uh, beautiful loins and other things, the horses. So these are the, uh, uh, your history and your uh, values for the country. To ensure that all goes well, a command and control center will act as a third eye during the summit. The control zone will be monitored with the help of more than 400 cameras. Security is one of the primary concerns. Different agencies are busy ensuring foolproof measures. More than 100,000 security personnel will be guarding the city. They have been trained to tackle any sabotage or hostile situation. Mock drills and rigorous training of security personnel are being conducted as a part of contingency preparations. Traffic restrictions will be imposed in the central part of the city which is designated as Control Zone 1. In this controlled zone, what we have done is we, have implement, we will be implementing a graded uh, 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 traffic management plan that is on seven, night, night of 7th and 8th, intervening night of 7th and 8th. Commercial vehicles, that is high goods vehicle, medium goods vehicle, light goods vehicles, uh, will not be allowed in, the, uh, in Delhi. With the city all decked up, now the focus to entertain global leaders will be on culture, crafts and cuisine. That was Ravinder Bhava reporting. The headlines again. Egypt has resumed direct commercial flights to Sudan after months-long hiatus. Last month was the hottest August on record globally. 
and Chinese Premier Li Qiang calls for a path towards peace and development at the ASEAN Plus 3 summit. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you the world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.